Hey guys, welcome back to the Story Podcast. I am Harris the Third, and I'm here with my co-host Sammy Harvey, and we are about to roll some interview from one of our Story 2016 presenters, Dan Goods. Dan is awesome. He's I'm so glad so that good. you invited him, Story. He was. I really enjoyed talking with him behind the scenes, and also his presentation was really cool too. Yeah, he was. He's super, super smart. Yes, um, you kind of get <laughs> the feeling. Really smart. I can't say this for you because you are super smart. You're like an English uh, major and went yeah. to college. You got a degree and everything. <laughs> I've been kind of fudging my way through life. I have no idea how they're even letting me talk into this microphone right now. <laughs> but when I sit and talk to Dan, I'm just like, clearly this guy's way smarter than I am. It could have something to do with the fact that he's hanging out with NASA scientists all day. Maybe. Uh, but he's also really creative <laughs> and genuinely, isn't he just one of the nicest guys he's ever? Very kind. He's yeah. so kind. Yeah. And so. We're just going to keep this episode uh, intro short and just get straight to the good stuff. Um, Sounds good to me. Just so you know who this guy is, an amazing friend, Dan Goods. He is the visual strategist for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratories. His background is in graphic design. He's So he's a, he's a visual artist, and it's his job um, to often take some of the science that they're creating at JPL and put it in a visual form so that normal mm. people like me who aren't as science smart and i can't me. even talk right <laughs> i can't even smart. talk <laughs> uh, so that they, people can understand it. he's also doing these cool art installations and stuff with the museum wall let's let him tell you about it here's sammy and i interviewing dan goods backstage at story 2016 dan you just crushed it and story 2016. Uh, I'm here with Sammy. We're backstage at the conference, um, and we're so excited to have you on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we just went up to the lobby. Uh, you did something after your talk, again, up in the lobby. It was a cloud chamber. Yeah. I've got to just go ahead and ask you about that. Can you please explain? Because as soon as we ended our day, you were our last speaker for the day one, and I go upstairs, and there's this giant crowd of people, and I'm like, is someone breakdancing? Is like, <laughs> what's going on over there? And you would think I would know uh, because I'm pretty involved with the conference. Sure. And I walk over and nope, they're all gathered around this magical box that you yeah. have. So explain what in the world. Yeah, well, it's like a little fish tank. Okay. And uh, so it's super high tech. And um, <laughs> what, what we do is we put it on a piece of aluminum and underneath the aluminum is a piece of dry ice. Inside, we have a bunch of uh, isopropyl alcohol. And what happens is that uh, the, the bottom gets really cold and the top gets warm and uh, the isopropyl alcohol becomes sort of a fog and mm. it's just this little fog and then you see these streaks and the streaks are really cool because these streaks are, are particles that have come from stars that have exploded. And it's just like bizarre to think about that, you know, and, and it's what's really weird is that they, they fly through you and then you see them in the fish tank and then they go out and they just continue on. That's, That's crazy. weird. Wow. It's super weird. And, and I, give, I give a lot of talks, but every time I talk about that, I get goosebumps. Every time. Yeah. Wow. So weird. I have them right now just hearing you describe <laughs> yeah. it. And I yeah. saw it on stage. And it was <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I had to ask you about that. So yeah. now that now that I have that out of the way, because I was like, what is he doing? Let's rewind a little bit and go back to the beginning. You're in California. You're in art school, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of give us the basic story. You're at art school. How in the world do you end up at 
NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratories. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So uh, I used to live in Seattle with my wife, and um, uh, we drove down to see Art Center College of Design. That's in Pasadena. And on the freeway, there are these two signs, and one says Art Center College of Design. The next one says NASA JPL. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool, because <laughs> I, I knew that JPL, I didn't know much about it, but I knew that they had something to do with rovers that went to Mars and Voyager that uh, had the golden record that's beyond the edge of the solar system. And I remember going, wow, this is the place for me. And so I was going to Art Center, and um, I did this crazy project with a bunch of bottles, and it, it sort of uh, freed me up, and it kind of made me experiment more. And then uh, I walked into a class that wasn't mine, and there was a guy speaking, and he was an artist. He was actually a fine artist that was working with scientists at Caltech. And I heard what he was talking about, and I was just like, wow, this is awesome. This is super cool. And so I went up to him afterwards and said, is there anything I should read? And he, he told me about this book by a guy named Kevin Kelly, who was the uh, first editor of Wired magazine. And um, uh, he said, how about you read that? And so I, I went and got it and started reading it. And then, uh, then all of a sudden there was this opportunity to, uh, for Art Center students to intern at Caltech. And Caltech's like one of the best universities in the world. And it's like, wow, that's really cool. So um, so I called this guy up and I said, you know, uh, could I intern with you? And and he really doesn't do that sort of thing. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, I showed him the bottle project. And he's like, great, you're going to do the same exact thing here, except that you're going to do it to help uh, come up with new ways of visualizing lots of information. And I was like, Awesome, and so literally, I didn't. I didn't have time to tell this on the stage, but um, my job was to swim like an otter for half an hour a day in their swimming pool. What? Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, and so the idea was that um, things that are translucent or transparent, and then things that iridesce. So, like when you look at like a an insect and it makes of the rainbow colors, right. they're iridescing. And so how could transparency and uh, iridescence help convey lots of information in a picture? Hmm. And so I needed to study that. And uh, he swims all the time. I'm not a swimmer. But <laughs> I was like, this is super cool. And so you, you go to the pool and I'm like, well, how's an otter swim? You know, they, they don't swim laps. They kind of like do all sorts of weird stuff. So I'm swimming there. And I don't know, if, uh, in the past year, there's been this big news about LIGO. LIGO was, was this thing, anyways, uh, instrument. So that was like a 15 years ago. I, I was swimming like an otter next to the guy who, who uh, had, had figured this, this thing out that just made lots of big news. And, and um, they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm doing research. And they're like, oh, cool. You know, <laughs> like they totally got it, right? So, oh uh, so did you have to study like how to swim like an otter? <laughs> how you know, do you study I, that? Yeah. Didn't have, YouTube wasn't big at that, at that time, so I couldn't like do Did you go to the zoo? I just, you know, I, I, yeah, I'd been to the, um, um, the, was it the Aquarium of the Pacific, which is in Long Beach, and yeah. uh, they have otters there. So, so you I, just went I and watched them. them and yeah, yeah. It's not like you could pull out your iPhone and video, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Video, like record <laughs> yeah, them no, to study needed, later. Yeah, that's and crazy. So I did that, and um, I was like, wow, hanging out with scientists are cool, you know. <laughs> but I, what I loved was big ideas, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm 
I, I love hanging out with people with big ideas and, and scientists are working on big things. And, mm. and so both from a, mainly, you know, from an intellectual standpoint. And so um, when I was done with that, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Because I, I was going to go work at like a big ad agency or something like that. Mm. And, but I, I wanted to be at a research center and nobody knew how to like the career advisor didn't know how to get a job at a research center. And, uh, <laughs> but eventually, um, um, I, I met this, uh, the director of JPL and he gave me a chance. And, and so, um, uh, it's kind of history since then. Wow. Yeah. You keep referencing this bottle project. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people weren't in the room to hear you talk oh, yeah. about that yeah. or show pictures. Is there a way to explain <laughs> what you mean by this bottle It's project? always hard to explain. Um, but, uh, so, so, uh, there's a grocery store and they sell 500 kinds of soda, but wow. they're all in glass bottles. So like, if you like, like I'm not a soda drinker. I used to be when I was in high school, but I I don't like Coke or Pepsi. But there's like 50 kinds of root beer. That's kind of cool. And there's uh-huh. 30 kinds of orange soda, and you know, so that that's a lot of fun. And and so um, I started to take what is the essence of this uh, store, and that's what I'm always looking for. Is I'm always looking for the essence of something mm-hmm. when I want to communicate something about it. And so uh, the glass bottle was the essence because if you're in a can. Uh, the aluminum leaches into the soda and it doesn't taste as good as if it's in a glass bottle. And then they also use sugar cane instead of corn syrup. And so right. that's what makes that better. And so um, I started to play around with the bottles and I, I would stack them on top of each other and light them in various ways. And then I uh, kind of simulated how it would look like if their entire roof was full of all these bottles. And then, uh, But I, I love the sound when you blow on a bottle. And like so at the top when you're, yeah, yeah, you go, you, like, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know if, uh, this is, this is probably the water work, bottle. But yeah, the water <laughs> bottle probably won't work as well, but it makes a beautiful noise. And, and so I just, I don't know, for whatever reason I thought, what if I strap them on top of my car <laughs> and drive around? Will they make music? And, and so I had a whole bunch of them on my car and, and, um, I had to, there was a bunch of problems and didn't work, but eventually we had the right angle and right distance and, and, uh, with all these bottles and they made beautiful noises and, and, uh, but they would do it, uh, it would work at about 20, 25 miles an hour. Mm. And so I thought, Oh man, I love like an ice cream truck. You always hear that it's coming with the little chimes. And what if they had a uh, taco truck stand with soda in it, but you could hear it coming from a distance. And so, um, so I came with this idea of attaching all these bottles to a taco truck stand so that when they drive around you'd get that and then and then a friend of mine has perfect pitch and so she she made a musical scale of all these bottles which is really funny and and wow. uh, then i figured out how to make a pipe organ out of that and so that's crazy yeah. i don't we've had some guests on this show that have done some pretty crazy stuff i think of some of the art installations that cole did his yeah. project in orlando i don't think we've had anyone that have, has like cut up glass bottles (laughs) and like glued them to the top of your car to make music with it that's really crazy that's like one of the most interesting things i mean we just met a couple of minutes ago but that's one of the most interesting things i feel like about you and i think what a lot of people think is interesting is like your imagination is so large and you're not (laughs) afraid to try things that are well oftentimes like people view as like really simple it's just blowing on a bottle yeah (laughs) yeah yeah 
It reminds me of some of the conversations we've had just trying to figure out how people came up with ideas and so mm. many of them were accidental, right? Yeah. Mm. I'm yeah. curious, like that's because that was similar because you didn't start with trying to make music with bottles, right? No. What was the yeah. very first thing that you tried to do? Mm. With I a think bottle? I, you I think lit it, it or something like that. I think, uh, yeah, I think, um, looking at the sun go through it is mm. really cool. And so, um, the bottles, because they're not absolutely perfect, make really, uh, the shadows make these really cool patterns. And mm -hmm. at the time I was doing it, the sun was kind of low. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was more a uh, time of year where the sun was low. And so it'd make these really long shadows that were really cool. And then just making sculptures and, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was funny because I was in, in the lawn of our apartment complex with all these windows looking down at me and I'm, I'm trying to, I had set up a, a camera and then I had this big sculpture up above my head holding it and trying to get the sun to be exactly in the center of this array of, of bottles and trying to look at the camera at the same time and it was, anyways... You had to see it, maybe be there. Totally. But it, it, was, it was really, it was fun. I was like, oh man, all these people are looking at me like, no. that guy is weird. You, know? <laughs> you are weird. Yeah, I, mean, I know, totally. CJ, one yeah. of our other guests, you know, that was his whole point of the, that's what we talked about the whole time uh, that episode was mm. just weird. In a sea of same, mm. weird wins. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're very weird, which is what makes <laughs> us awesome. Right? Which awesome, makes us yeah. awesome, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I'm just, I'm super intrigued by that process because in many ways, I think other people look and go, why didn't I think of that? Mm. And so they sit down and they try to they try to envision the final product, which they it's hard to imagine because they didn't go through that exploring process yet. And I think as I look at so many different examples of your work, um, so much of it is just exploration, right? And I th I think that's interesting because of the place that you work now, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. you're surrounded by explorers, mm -hmm. and essentially the company you work for. Um, pays you to just explore ideas until you find the ones that work. Is that essentially what's I wish happening? it was that easy, you know, because <laughs> uh, it's actually, it's sort of like we have a little uh, business within a, a, a city. So there's uh, 5,000 people that work at JPL and uh, uh, we all have to have account codes. So like if you're in the creative industry and you're like in advertising or design, you have to have an account number for each project you work on. Mm -hmm. So we do too. And, um, and so, uh, but that means someone has to want to pay for your services. And, and so, um, what happens is like the, so we, we did this series of, of posters, uh, that's called visions of the future. And they're, they're sort of these, um, uh, as if we've gone to other worlds and, and they're sort of in, in the style of the, the travel posters from the thirties and forties. So we, we did them as if we were, uh, travel agents 500 years in the future so and awesome. and that started the funny thing is is that uh, there was a, a a hallway at JPL that went to an office where a famous scientist was going to hang out for a summer and they said oh we gotta spruce this place up uh, can you spruce it up and so <laughs> um, it turned out they had these conference rooms with pieces of plastic where they're supposed to put posters, but no one had ever put posters there. So my buddy David Delgado had said, why don't we make travel posters and put them in there? And, and uh, they're like, oh, we can't make travel posters because uh, you might think, people might think that we're actually at the other stars. And we're like, <laughs> oh, come on, you know. And, um, and so eventually we did them. But because... Um, there's lots of bureaucracy. We couldn't call them posters. We had to call them like 
images and we couldn't like put them out on the internet. And so we had these three cool posters that no one saw because they were on this strange hallway. And then some interns came and they're all like, wow, look at that, look at that, take pictures. And then somehow someone took a couple to um, uh, a conference and then uh, The Verge uh, found them and they kind of exploded. And, and so it was, it was so funny because this thing that was never, ever going to be seen, you know, and, and I knew when I saw the first poster is like, these are cool, you know. I think people are gonna like these things, but everyone's like, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know. And, and uh, so, fortunately, they somehow made it out into the world, and and now you know people like them. And and now you can buy all sorts because they're public domain. You can anyone can take them and sell them on stuff. So you can buy a guitar pick with the poster on it. You can buy a lunchbox. <laughs> you can buy a whiskey flask. You can you can buy all sorts of stuff with these posters on it. So. What's funny is that like we we have to take small opportunities and try to make them big. Hmm. And that's the only way that the big things they, rarely does someone say, "Hey, can you come do some giant thing for us?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they're usually like, "Oh, you know, uh, can you do this thing and then then we're then hopefully we can expand." Yeah. Expand. It. You you uh I remember when you agreed to come speak at story and I started telling people that you were coming. There was almost this sense of, so like there's a scientist coming to story. Um, <laughs> does that happen a lot because of the the place and environment that you work? Do people confuse you for a scientist? Because <laughs> like when you think of NASA, I don't think artists yeah. is one of the first things that pops into your mind. Yeah, um, I fake clearly, them out. It's like so. they're they're showing that they value <laughs> art, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you uh, how how do you describe to people what you do? Because visual strategist mm. for yeah. JPL is pretty yeah obtuse. That that's uh there there's uh, some bureaucratic reasons why why that's that's the title. But um, uh, what what we try to do is make complicated things clear but poetic. Hmm. And so uh, you can have something that's clear but it's boring, and you can have something that's poetic, but you yeah. don't get it. Yeah. Right? Not <laughs> I don't straightforward. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we're, wow, we're trying yeah. to find that balance between clear and poetic. I love that. What are some examples of different projects that you worked on at work that kind of maybe share with the audience yeah. what that looks like? Uh, so there's this thing that's called the pulse and uh, it's hooked up to all the data that goes to and from spacecraft that are at the moon or beyond. And so all that data comes to JPL because we run this special system. And so if you're the Japanese or you're the uh, in Europe or you're uh, there's lots of space agencies around the world and, and they have spacecraft that are out there and they use the system. And so um, I've always loved this idea of, of data kind of running through us, sort of like those muons that are in the in the cloud chamber. They're all kind of it's coming through us. Um, and, and so we, we created this, uh, big cylinder, like 12 foot tall cylinder of LEDs that has multiple, uh, sort of cylinders in it. So it's sort of like a Russian doll, I suppose. And, uh, it's all these LEDs. And so when lights go up, that means at that second, we're actually sending a command to a spacecraft and it's going to outer space. And then when lights come down, that means that we actually just received data. And it could have been from Voyager that's beyond the edge of the solar system. So it takes 18 hours at the speed wow. of light for one of their messages to get back to us. 
Wow. And so, um, so anyways, you, you see these little trickles of, of data or lots of lights if there's more data. And so, um, that's one of those things that it's a sort of an abstract system that they have and people try to explain it and even like on the radio, you know, maybe kind of hard to ex- understand. But when you see it, you're like, oh, I totally get it. You know, right. I get it and yeah. I want right. to look at it, you know, and, and that's so being clear is like I get it. But being poetic is that it stays with you and you want totally. you want to you want to watch it more. Right? Is it frustrating when people come up and they don't understand that the data actually means something that the art is communicating content basically. So they think like, cool, you just timed the lights and I like Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I uh, remember like there's so much more complex than that. One guy who uh who loves he he's one of the most sophisticated from an art standpoint engineers I've I've ever met in my life. And he when he first saw it, he was like, Oh, that's just like a chandelier at a at a hotel, you know, <laughs> at the W or something like that. And, and then once once he once he got it, he was like, Oh man, that's amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. oh, it's like, and it took like four times for him to because uh, we we were doing prototypes. Yeah. And and that's one super hard thing is that like I may have a vision of what something's supposed to be and, and I can I totally got it, right? Like I know what it's gonna be like. But the process of selling it is really hard because other people don't, you know, envision and you know, they, they don't know what's inside my head. And so mm-hmm. how you present that idea is is really important because most people won't see what you see. Yeah. Right. That sounds like a lot of art. Do you guys have interns in your department? Um we try to. Um I don't actually have my own budget, so uh I have to rely upon other people paying for the interns? Yeah. I'm curious, uh, like, wish, when you have yeah. new young people mm-hmm. that are in your department for the first time, mm-hmm. they're being exposed to this completely unique experience, mm-hmm. making art and telling stories at Jet Propulsion Laboratories. Yeah. <laughs> what What are some of the common things, and is are there a set of common things or one common thing that you see them struggle with? And then maybe when they clear that hurdle, there's, like, an aha moment. What do you feel like the thing is that they learn most yeah. by their time there? Well, something that I learned was, uh, I think I, I mentioned this to you before, about uh, you're intimidated, right? Like there's mm-hmm. these people with PhDs, and I didn't have a PhD, you know? <laughs> I didn't, don't even have a master's. I just went to undergrad. You had a rooftop of bottles on Yeah, I had bottles. That was my <laughs> resume. And... Uh, so you're you're intimidated, and you go into these meetings, and and uh, you hear all these people talk, and uh, you leave, and you're like, I have no idea what they were talking about. And uh, so I asked the guy you know, who came out of the meeting with me, so what was he talking about? And he's like, I have no idea. And I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you have no idea? You're you're smart. You're a scientist, and uh, um, but what happens is that like if you've been accustomed to being the smartest person mm-hmm. in the room all the time uh it's sort of intimidating for you to not know what's going on and so like you may not raise your hand and say i don't really get it you know yeah <laughs> and so after a while i was like wow nobody in the room knows what that person's talking about interesting <laughs> and so what i what i found uh, and this is true for the arts it's true for anything that has a community where they're they have complicated stories is that they build a language that's 
opaque to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm always trying to figure out how to make things clear is that I'm not trying to make them dumber. I'm trying to make them clear and, and, uh, and you can, you can do that. And, and so, um, that was, that was a, a wonderful day when I realized that, you know, I'm just going to ask the stupid question. What mm. in the world are you talking about? Like, I don't know what you're That's talking about. That's probably the question that everyone in yeah. the room is thinking. Yeah, yeah. Too. yeah. And I found that the the wisest people at JPL are the ones that ask those basic questions because um, it's so easy to be in your world and, and language and and trick yourself that you may not really know what you're doing, you know? And, and so... Um, uh, I love being in the room when someone will say, you know, like, let's, no, stop. Let's step way back. Why are you doing this? Hmm. You know, and they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you should be doing this, you know, because mm. uh, it's, it's easy to blind yourself. It's so fascinating. What uh, I want to talk a little bit about Museum of All before we mm. do in, in regards to JPL. Any advice that you've learned during your time there that you would, that you feel like is applicable to yeah. any creative, regardless of what medium they're working in? Totally. Um, uh, there's a, a guy named Dan McLeese, a uh, scientist. When, um, when I was born, he came up with an idea of how to study the atmosphere of Mars. And at the time, NASA didn't care about Mars. They cared about other planets. And so um, no one wanted to do anything with his idea. Um, but then there's a university that wanted to do something and then all of a sudden NASA said, Oh, now we wanna we care about this thing. <laughs> so anyways, they send spacecraft to Mars and it and it misses. <laughs> um bunch of years later he had another opportunity and that one like crashed. <laughs> when I got to JPL, um two or three years later, he got to go a third time and he just got there right when I first got there. So you know, almost 40 years he's been working on an idea, and he finally got wow. to do it. And wow. and um, that's perseverance, you know. And uh, I love the guy. He's he's amazing fellow, and he, had, he has a temperament that, that can do that. And um, uh, uh, space exploration is a long-term thinking project. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like that's you're consistently surrounded by things that are just going to take a really yeah. long time and a lot yeah. of perseverance. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's what I, uh, that's one of the big, couple things I've biggest, uh, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say, learned about is, is um, yeah. just this idea of long-term thinking and mm. being ready. Uh, one of the great stories of JPL is that um, after the Second World War, the Russians launched Sputnik. And Sputnik was this thing that went around the Earth, and, and everyone's freaked out that the Russians has something up there. And uh, so the U.S. president says, we're going to send a science instrument to space. And there's a competition between three teams in the U.S., and we lost, or JPL lost. Uh, the other team got on the launch pad, and it blew up. <laughs> but we had finished our instrument and put it in a closet and said, hey, we could launch something in 90 days. And they're like, great, you know, go do it. And they did it. And, and that was sort of the beginning of, of us in, in, in space. And it's just like, be ready, you know, hmm. be ready. Wow. And even if you lose, be ready. Because you don't know when that other person isn't going to be able to continue. Wow. Or they might quit. Yeah. 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 Talk to us about Museum of All. We've <laughs> talked about it a lot. Um, and 
it's obviously something that you're incredibly passionate about um, and super excited about. And it seems like a continued work in progress consistently, (laughs) right? Yeah. But you've had a lot of really amazing and high profile people in Los Angeles coming through and experiencing this and people flying in from around the world (laughs) into LA just to experience (laughs) the museum of all. Um, tell everyone what, what is this thing? It sounds yeah. so mysterious. It is mysterious. And, <laughs> and I know if, if you haven't gotten to experience it yet. And so you're always asking, well, what, what do you do there? And I'm like, oh, I can't really tell you. You've got to kind of come and come, come and see it, you know? So, um, yeah, so I, I gave a talk one day and, and a guy wrote me up and he was like, man, there needs to be a museum of awe. His name is Ivan Amato, and and I I kind of laughed it off, and but then he kept he was hounding me, and I was like, wow, you know that really is cool. That's that's an amazing idea, a museum of awe. Why wouldn't I want to be there and be part of it? And so I've uh, been brainstorming with a friend and uh, David Delgado, and and the idea is that uh, uh, Museum of Oz is the oldest museum in existence, and it's been around since the beginning of time, and it's uh, because we live in it. Right, we yeah. are in the Museum of Awe, but we're we're so distracted and jaded, and uh, we just don't see it. And um, and so we we want to be able to uh, create a series of experiences. So instead of a museum of things, this is a museum of experiences. Mm-hmm. And I so love it's that. it's a bit uh, art, it's a bit science, it's a bit theater, but they're all rolled into into you know one thing. And so the, the, the goal is that when you leave, that you're reminded of the gift and privilege of being alive. And mm. uh, that wasn't my phrase. I took it from someone else. But um, it's, uh, that's really, I think that's needed today. Right? Yeah. So too. We, yeah. we, we need, I think people love experiences. That's why they go to concerts or why they go to wherever. They're, people are desperate for yeah. experiences, but experiences that have uh, meaning and um, make you think about those bigger questions for sure right. yeah it's unbelievable what is an example of something that you would see he can't tell you he can't tell me anything serious <laughs> trust me i've had uh, you should I've been probably driving, understand though I've been Harris, down, as a <laughs> magician <laughs> i've been driving down the interstate at night talking on the phone to dan going can you please just tell me what's inside of it he's and it's just There's it really nothing. is mysterious okay. All right. he's like you'll see it when you come visit in la oh, we'll take wow. you to it sometime but I don't know. Maybe he told me no. Maybe he. Maybe you can talk him into it. <laughs> well, can you talk about the grain of sand? Yeah, yeah. So yes, I can talk oh, about this that is one. so cool, so, Sammy. You're gonna love this. So when I first got to JPL, they were uh, talking about finding planets hmm. around other stars. So, so we we have the sun. That's our star. And when you look up at outer space, you know you see all these dots. Right. And you just think that they're dots, but you know. They're these giant things, and and turns out that most of them have planets around them, <laughs> and we're just finding them. And so when I first started, we had found maybe a, a couple hundred, but now we found almost like four thousand of them. That's a lot of planets out there. But but um, I can't even process it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it gets harder because uh, <laughs> so I, I have this grain of sand, and and uh, um, I had someone drill a hole into it with a carbide drill bit. <laughs> What? So here's it. the thing. Yeah. I've got to slow you down a little bit because <laughs> yeah. this stuff is so normal to you because you're surrounded by it all the time. I know my yeah. brain is like, but like try to compute it for a second. Moving. Let's rewind. Yeah. Let's yeah. say it again. This is yeah. not, this yeah. is not an edit. We're literally just gonna say, we're gonna say it a little bit slower. Sure. A grain of sand. Yes. So like 
a, just a, a grain of sand. Which it's is, sort of like the it's, which it's, you can't even really see, right? Like <laughs> I guess if you could hold it on your fingertip, a it's grain a little of sand. cheating because I wanted to make sure that the hole was big enough that you could actually see. So I get like when you go to a, a kid's uh, playground and they have sand there, so mm-hmm. it's, it's those grains are yeah, bigger. Yeah, those are a little bit bigger, but it's still pretty darn small. Yeah, so and I would small. think is it. I mean, it seems brittle. I guess it's not as brittle as it seems. When you look at it under a magnifying glass, it looks like a mountain, right? <laughs> so, uh, so you're just so drilling really, a hole in a mountain. Yeah, no yeah big exactly. Deal. No big deal. But so. the drill bit, like yeah. the size of drill bit that you would have to use to drill a hole in a grain of sand. Yeah, well, okay, you don't sorry. go to Home Depot and get it. Yeah, that. when I hear yeah. you talk about it. Okay, sorry, yeah. continue. People people listening are a lot smarter than me probably. Like, <laughs> Let him talk, Harris. But I'm just, my mind is blown by the fact that you drill a hole in a grain of sand. So the grain of sand represents uh, the Milky Way galaxy. So if you ever get the chance to go out to a dark sky, you can see the Milky Way galaxy. Or if you, you see those, it, it looks like a pinwheel. And so there are lots of galaxies out there. But we live in the Milky Way galaxy. And this hole is a tenth of the size of the grain of sand. So it's really, really, really tiny. And so if you can imagine a really tiny hole in, the, in, in this grain of sand... Um, the hole is where we live. We live We live in that little hole. But it's also where we found most of these planets. And our technology is so bad that we can hardly see what's actually out there. Hmm. In fact, most of the planets that we've found, it's only because the planets happen to be orbiting on the exact plane between the, the star and us so that we can see it go in front of the sun. Does that make sense? So so imagine there's the, the star and then the planet. It could orbit up above. It could orbit lots of different ways. But it just so happens that it goes across that the spot that's directly between us. Hmm. So that means that like there's lots of them that we would never be able to find because we don't have the right techniques to find it. And so we found thousands of planets, and we're going to find tens and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of planets within that little tiny hole let alone the rest wow. of our Milky Way galaxy. And then you need six rooms full of sand to represent all the other galaxies that we know about. And so you need, I, all of a sudden you guys are like, process. I, I and, that, and that's just, what I, I need to do that too. It of the yeah. universe is, but I think it just goes to prove wow. your point. I mean, what's funny is just hearing you describe it accomplishes the very reason that you wanted to do mm-hmm. it in the first place, which yeah. is to help people understand that we're all in search of these awesome experiences, but yet we're living in the museum of all and we're yeah. surrounded mm-hmm. by it all. Yeah. And so I love that you take art and creativity and create these little experiences and pieces of art that help people begin. I'll just use the word mm-hmm. begin, begin mm-hmm. to grasp those, those kind of thoughts and that way of thinking. Um, so man, thank you for the way that you do that, the way that you help us all. You're an incredible example of, of an artist and a creativity mm-hmm. um, and the way that I feel like art should be done because it's meaningful and it makes people feel something and it matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that about you. Oh, so, man. Uh, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for being on the podcast and thanks for being such a friend of story. Um, your talk was incredible. Oh, thank so you guys. I can't wait to 2017, <laughs> 19, yeah. 20. We'll wait. <laughs> we'll have it back at some point, but yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a perfect time for us to go over these three questions that we love to ask everyone <laughs> okay. who's on the show. They're the really fun fire. questions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first question is, what is your favorite book? 
Hmm. Or a recent read, you know, if that's too heavy of a question. Yeah. What, um, uh, I read, so C.S. Lewis has the Narnia series, but he yeah. also has uh, a series of um, <laughs> that are uh, uh, the Space Trilogy. Wow. And, uh, you know, you may not have known that, no. but uh, they're really amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, they they make you think about humanity and our place in the universe. And uh, I'm, I'm not a big sci-fi reader, but um, mm-hmm. um, it was deep. So. Interesting. I love that. Me too. I, I didn't even know that existed. I know. I didn't either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very cool. That's why I love this these questions. I know. Yeah. Second question, what's something that most people don't know about you, but you think is crazy? Although I think it's crazy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Something crazy about yourself. <laughs> this one stumps a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, But it when does. they finally come up with an answer, it is crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. So are these supposed to be like embarrassing things that are... It could, yeah. it could be embarrassing. We've described it so before. I've never told... Well, I don't know if I could do this on the radio. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, just because it, 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 you kind of got to see it. So, well, um, I, was, I was born in Alaska. And um, uh, when I was, I don't know, like four, my dad took us out to the dump to shoot because that's what you do. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, he took me out with a 357 Winchester Magnum, which is like the biggest pistol there oh is. Oh my god! And he was—he uh, had one arm around me, and he was bringing the other arm around, saying, "Don't shoot until." And then I shot, <laughs> and it smacked me in the head, <gasps> oh and I started cry, <laughs> and then he laughed. <laughs> and I, I think that's why I'm the way I am. <laughs> so that explains it all. Yeah, I know. That, uh, now I totally understand why you glued bottles to the top. Of your <laughs> yeah. yeah, something's still ringing. That's my a head. good answer. I like that one. I love that. A great story. Final question is: What has been your greatest source of inspiration, especially when you're in a rut? I think it's. Uh, it really is. It's listening to stories of people overcoming great odds. Hmm. Or, which I mentioned in the talk of of uh, human beings uh, caring and doing things for others when they don't have to, and uh, it just it 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 gives me hope in humanity, hmm. and uh, we don't get to hear enough of those stories, but they're out there, yeah, and. Um, to me, that that's just so inspiring, and uh, so that's that's what I I love to hear. So. Amen. Thanks for inspiring us. I love Dan. We're gonna sound like a broken record if we just keep <laughs> saying it over and over and over. But I just really, really love that guy, and I want to go to the Museum of Awe. So me too. Bad. Like hearing him talk about it. I want to go so bad. That was my favorite part (laughs) of everything that he does is just him talking about this idea. And obviously with my magic background, that makes a lot of sense. I just love leaving people in awe. I love anything surrounding the idea of awe and wonder. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he's building something has been doing something called the museum of awe. uh, He's like speaking my love language. It's amazing. (laughs) What was, what was one of your favorite things about the stuff that he's created? Wow. I was just so inspired by the way Dan plays Mm -hmm. and 
I think what where this idea is coming from is I liked how he was describing when he saw the bottle and the way the light hit it. <laughs> a lot of people would just be like, wow, that is beautiful, period. He let that thought continue on with curiosity. And he's like, I wonder if. And he just kept following these I wonder yeah. ifs until he ended up putting bottles on his car. And that made <laughs> became, music. That made music. And it was a beautiful project. Yeah. And so that inspires me. I wonder... I wish I could. I wonder if I can incorporate more wonder ifs in so my you're, life. You're catching yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Because you were about to say, I wish I, and then you realize that you can. I can. You can. I wonder how many wonders I can continue to put in my life. I wonder if it's a habit. Probably. It's not something we're capable of. It's just, are we, are we in the habit of mm-hmm. realizing sure. that ability? Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Always something to learn here on the Story <laughs> Podcast. Speaking of play, that's actually Dan's website. I don't think you knew that before no, we were I didn't. recording. No. Uh, his website is directedplay.com. And so if Perfect. you want to see some of the stuff that he's, especially some of the cool art installations he's done around the world, um, he's done some stuff in airports and museums. It's just really cool stuff. So check out directedplay.com. You can find Dan on social media at Dan Goods, I believe. So thank you, Dan, for being a part of Story 2016. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll see you next week on the Story Podcast. Mm